As per usual, I have to include my trigger warning. So for those of you that are triggered by discussions of domestic abuse, this episode is not for you. This is our topic of the day, and that is just a fair warning. So we are just going to go ahead and jump right in. In an article found on DomesticShelters.org, it is stated that more than one in three women, 35.6%, and more than one in four men, 28.5% in the U.S. have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. An estimated 1.3 million women are victims of physical assault by an intimate partner each year. Also, 85% of domestic violence victims are women. This is a topic that I hold near and dear to me because unfortunately it is something that I have both experienced and I've witnessed. Those of you who know me know I haven't always been the best at picking partners for any types of relationships, not just my intimate ones such as boyfriends, but my friends as well. I went ahead and looked up the definition of domestic abuse and according to aaets.org, Domestic abuse between spouses or intimate partners is when one person in a marital or intimate relationship tries to control the other person. The perpetrator uses fear and intimidation and may threaten to use or may actually use physical violence. Domestic abuse that includes physical violence is called domestic violence. The victim of domestic abuse or domestic violence may be a man or a woman. Domestic abuse occurs in traditional heterosexual marriages as well in as well as in same-sex partnerships. The abuse may occur during a relationship while the couple is breaking up or after the the relationship has ended. Domestic abuse may often escalate from threats and verbal abuse to physical violence. Domestic violence may even end up in murder. And in my situations, I have struggled with emotional abuse, so that is apparently also... A category under domestic abuse. So I went ahead and I looked up the definition just so that I am able to kind of explain and really go into depth with what I'm talking about. This definition was also found on aaets.org and it states, mental, psychological, or emotional abuse can be verbal or nonverbal. Verbal or nonverbal abuse of a spouse or intimate partner consists of more subtle actions or behaviors than physical abuse. While physical abuse might seem worse, the scars of verbal and emotional abuse are deep. Studies show that verbal or or nonverbal abuse can be much more emotionally damaging than physical abuse. Verbal or nonverbal abuse of a spouse or intimate partner may include threatening or intimidating to gain compliance, destruction of the victim's personal property and possessions or threats to do so, violence to an object such as a wall or a piece of furniture, a pet, or anything else in the presence in the presence of the intended victim as a way of installing fear or further violence, yelling or screaming, name-calling, constant harassment, embarrassing, making fun of, mocking the victim either alone within either alone or within the household, in public or in front of friends and family, criticizing or diminishing the victim's accomplishments or goals, not trusting the victim's decision-making, telling the victim that they are worthless on their own without the abuser, excessive possessiveness, isolation from friends and family, excessive checking up on the victim to make sure that they are at home or where they said they'd be, 
saying hurtful things while under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and using the substance as an excuse to say hurtful things, blaming the victim for how the abuser acts or feels, making the victim remain on the premises after the fight, or leaving them somewhere else after the fight just to, quote, teach them a lesson, or making the victim feel that there is no way out of the relationship. Now, when I was younger, I didn't really realize that this was going on. I didn't realize that it was emotional abuse until I got a little older, and then I finally understood, like, what was happening to me, and that this behavior wasn't right. I was isolated from my friends. My school schedule had to be cha- had to be changed to match theirs. Uh, I had to dress the way they told me to. I couldn't speak to anybody without them having feelings of jealousy. And I was not allowed to go to school if they were not going to be there. And I know that you guys are thinking like, wow, wow, those are instant red flags. What were you thinking? But I was like 14, it was like 14, 15, 16, 17, around those ages that this was all happening to me. And when you're young, like you don't really think about it. I know you should think about it, but honestly, who's there to talk to you and tell you that this isn't right? Because I had people tell me like, hey, you don't want this, but I felt like I couldn't really sit with people and tell them like, look, this is what's going on, you know, and then have them actually understand and listen and not just want to like react in like a crazy explosive way. You think it's harmless, but young love really is stupid love because you believe that you're going to be with this person or these people for the rest of your life. So you stick with them. And in my case, I stuck with them because I felt like I had, I don't know, like I didn't have a will to live then. I didn't have, a, I don't have a will to live now. Um, so I feel like I stuck with them because I was like, well, if they're happy, that's cool. I don't care about me being happy. So I'm just going to stick with you because I guess I make you happy. And as long as you want that, then I don't care what happens to me type thing. And unfortunately, I was separated from my friends and even my family at some points. I had partners that would take my phone. Okay, this is wild because you guys are going to say like, that's not real, but total Joe Goldberg status with some of my partners. So I had partners that would take my phone and text themselves as me, then later screenshot it and send it to other people and say like, oh, look what Cindy said to me when it was them who had my phone and they were making me look crazy. They were making me look like this person that I wasn't even. And I didn't say anything because I'm stupid. And I was like, well, whatever. If you guys listen to my 1-800 episode that I did on my depression and my anxiety, then you guys know, like, at that point in my life, I did not care what happened to me. I really didn't care because honestly, I thought I was going to be dead by 16. That was the goal. I wasn't supposed to be here, but here I am, 22, you know. (laughs) So now I have to really think about the things that were happening to me then. And this is when I realized like, this was not right. Like, you were 16 and these people were making a monster out of you when you were letting them, you know? So I'm sure everybody in my life had this whole, I don't know, idea of who I was because of those people, because they would make me out to be this person that I didn't even care to defend myself. These were times where 
I was told I was worthless. I wasn't doing enough for the relationship. I was threatened (laughs) so many times. And because I had really desensitized myself, I isolated, sorry, I isolated myself. And I really just, I didn't care. I felt like I was just a ghost walking through my high school halls and nobody was even paying attention. And all I wanted to do was die. And I didn't care what you guys thought of me. If you guys thought I was crazy. If you guys thought I, you know, because I had no control over who I was at that time. And that's all thanks to these partners that I had. And like I said earlier, as a child, you don't realize that some of these things aren't normal. And I just feel like I couldn't tell anyone I always felt like I had to let on that I was happy and that nobody made me feel this way, that the relationship was fine, you know, (laughs) and there's that nervous chuckle that things aren't funny. Every time I do it, I think about those pinche therapy notes that I read the other day and I'm like, wow, my therapist would be so disappointed in me right now. It's a shame I don't have one no more. But anyway, it's just like, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in that position where it is so bad that you just let it happen because you really don't care what happens to you at this point. That's that's where I was for a fat minute. And even though I don't expect a lot of people to understand that, I can only try to explain it in this way of you feel like you're a ghost and you're living for somebody else. That's as best as I can explain it. Every relationship I had ever been in resulted into my significant other cheating on me. And then after they would cheat on me, they would like gaslight me into believing that it was my fault or somehow I wasn't enough or they were getting this from this girl because I wasn't doing it enough or I wasn't seeing them enough after school. Whoa, me. Let me go cheat on you just because your girls actually got a job after school. (laughs) But whatever, I'm not salty about it no more. So they made me believe that it was my fault. So I stayed in these in these relationships because I they thought they thought it was my fault so bad that they made me believe it was my fault. So I really thought that it was my fault that I was like, oh, maybe if I do more of this, if I tend to them more like this, if I'm nicer, blah, 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 then maybe they will cheat on me again because I'm a pendeja, you know? Can you even say that on the air? Oh, well, I said pendeja, hi. Um, I was also threatened by multiple partners that if I didn't stay with them, they would end their lives or they would use my spiritual beliefs against me. And I honestly can't even begin to explain how bad this messed me up. I, I really don't know why I stayed. I can look back at it. I can rerun the scenarios all through my head all day, every day. But I can't, honestly, I cannot give you an answer as to why I let this happen to me. I became, I became so reliant on these men that one fight or one miscommunication, I would like fall apart at the seams because I felt like, what am I going to do if they leave me? Like, because people had a way of everybody knows this high school sucks everybody has this way of talking things spread fast and I remember the first time I tried to leave one of my partners it was like wildfire like I 
heard back in like <laughs> 10 minutes like oh you were doing this and you did this and th that's why he's not with you and you cheated on him and you broke his heart and blah 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 and now he's over there crying in the hall and it's all your fault and your girl was just trying to go to english and and die but they didn't even let me do that so now 22 year old me looks back at you know 14 15 16 17 year old me and i want to slap myself for not kicking these men in the balls and moving on with my life because i feel like i would be such a different person if i did not let boys ruin my life <laughs> and i know that's not funny but it's it's true like think about the places you would be if you didn't have that one person or those two people who literally ruined you but whatever we all take responsibility for our actions and maybe i still would have been a bigger piece of shit if i would have never been through all of these nonsense ridiculous life lessons that who knows who was throwing it throwing them at me but it it got so bad that I would sob uncontrollably like begging God to fix me so that they wouldn't leave me oh my god you know and how fucking embarrassing honestly because I cannot believe I was ever that girl that could not stand up for herself and look these boys in the face and be like you're a piece of shit and just knock them out and move on with my life but if you've ever been in a position where somebody is constantly degrading you, you begin to believe it. You begin to really embody the person that they're making you. So in my, in my situation, I was worthless. I was ugly. I wasn't enough. I was nothing without them. Um, if, the, if I left them, they were going to make a big old deal. They were going to send... Uh, texts around they were gonna make up rumors blah 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 so I didn't want to deal with all that because I was already trying to focus on not dying or not trying to kill myself and these people are over here trying to make it worse but I I I'll just skip to the next topic because I have no words so I went ahead and I looked at the five lingering effects that will follow you after you have been emotionally abused. According to an article on Mind Green Body, and the article is called The Five Lingering Effects of Emotional Abuse, it is stated, With most forms of emotional abuse, the victim is left feeling powerless, worthless, and broken inside. These wounds don't leave visible scars, although they are just as painful as any physical injury. We pick up the pieces and put our lives back together as best we can. And sometimes the best we can do is patchwork. We go back to our daily existence thinking everything is fine, but something still seems different. Many survivors described two different selves, before abuse and after abuse. And I did the research on this episode like 30 minutes before I sat down to record. And I thought about that last sentence a lot. Because I've had so many people in my life tell me that they miss the old me. And the only old person I can think of was the person I was before I was emotionally abused by all these partners. I literally feel like they drained any little bit of life that I had in me left. And they just took it. And now they're over here living their lives and I'm over here still feeling so numb, so worthless, and so in need of this validation from people who don't even have to give it to me. 
So the five lingering effects include number one, numbness, number two, seeking approval, number three, resentment, number four, judging and analyzing, and number five, anxiety and depression. And I can relate to all of these five effects so perfectly right on the dot that I'm like, holy shit, this is what was wrong with me. And I just want to point out that I've said so, so many times in this podcast, so I'm sorry if you see there it is I'm sorry if you guys are having bets on me like how many times can this hoe say so but anyway back on point I've lived my life in numbness for what seems like forever now and to this day I find it so difficult to experience genuine happiness like it comes in waves but it's never a solid feeling for me and I I never knew that this was something that other people feel because of this emotional abuse and to find out that it was an effect from it I because I always wondered like where did it come from because when I was little I guess I had a little bit more hope than (laughs) a little bit more hope than I've ever had in my life because I actually had ambitions and I had dreams and I had goals and people will say like growing up just um, does that to you but I've seen a lot of grown-ups grown who are really hyped to be alive and shit, but I just feel so empty. Like, that's the best that I can describe it. I can be happy for this period of time, but then I go back to just feeling so numb, empty. That's the best I can describe it. I just feel so, like, there's just, I'm just a giant person of nothingness. To this day, I will live my life seeking approval, even if it's the, like the littlest, tiny, tiniest things. And unfortunately, I think it's because I still feel like I'm not enough, like nothing I do will ever be enough. So that goes with the side effect number two of seeking approval. I will always, I think I will always seek approval. I don't even know from who, myself or my partner or f- friends or I don't know who the hell I my damn brain just wants approval like he just wants somebody somebody to look at me and be like good job Cindy you're doing okay you know but not everybody is obligated to give me that and I understand that so when nobody else tells me good job then my little brain tells me good job and you guys don't even want to get me started on resentment because although I try to be at peace with everything that's happened to me and a few years ago I've made my peace with Um, everybody that I felt like was really fucked up to me in my life, I sat there and I talked to them and I said, you made me feel this way, you know, because I feel like expressing yourself in I feel statements makes you more accountable to the things that are your problem. Because I'm pretty sure half of those boys didn't even think about what they did to me. They moved on and, you know, whatever. But here I am still feeling all this resentment for the things that have occurred, you know, and the way that people treated me. So I, I have like so much resentment in my heart, even though I like, I will say that I'm over it and then I think about it and then it pisses me off. But after a few of my breakups, I had so many backlashes from dudes from other females who were so upset with me for leaving the relationships many of my past partners played the victim so well and I cannot stress that enough that 
you know, it's until I showed everyone screen caps of what was really going on and that shut them up so quick. Like they never said a word to me after that. And I'm like, yeah, if you don't know the story, then shut up. And I was told by many of those females that, you know, my boyfriend was the, he was only with me at the time because he felt sorry for me or that I wasn't enough for him anyway. And my, the last one is my favorite one. (laughs) My favorite one that I remember is that you will never find someone who loved you as much as he did. And I'm like, bitch, if this is love, I don't want it. I don't want anybody to ever love me that much then if that's what this love is because you can go ahead and have it. Mm-mm. I I still, nope, I think I still have her blocked because I'm like, nobody's going to tell me that I am worthy of this abusive ass love because now I have a partner who is amazing and I better knock on wood because every partner I've ever had is cheating on me. So we're counting on Jacob to be the one who does it. <laughs> but I have a really good partner and I'm pretty sure he loves me way more than that hoe ever did love me. So she can fight me. As for overanalyzing, there you go. My last rant was my overanalyzing. I literally overanalyze everything and there's not a day that goes by that poor Jacob has to deal with me like making one of those little English spider webs agenda thingies for my problems. I have to write down the, my expenses, I have to plan it through, I have to plan my days ahead or keep like a schedule going on in my head just to feel like I have some sort of control over my life and not, you know, because I don't want to feel like scattered. So I have to write everything down to make me feel like I have some sort of something together. And for the depression slash anxiety effect, I'm just going to read this little bit of article because I believe it's something that you guys need to hear too. When I found it on mindgreenbody.com, it it kind of, it had me shook. So after emotional abuse, there are so many lies obstructing the heart. Not enough, inadequate, worthless, bad, broken, replaceable, unlovable, my fault. The good news is you can heal this stuff. The bad news is there's no quick fix, just a lot of patience, hard work, and dedication. It may it may take months or years of practice, but finding love for yourself is a permanent solution. In this journey, we leave behind the spitting the splitting of old cheerful self and new abuse self in favor of a whole self who is loved and accepted completely. And it took a lot, and I know it may sound like I'm still angry, but I'm not angry about it anymore, even though I feel like I still carry all of this with me. I'm not mad. I don't hold this. I don't, because I know I may sound hypocritical and like I'm contradicting myself because in the resentment tab, I really went off, but this isn't something that rules my life every day anymore. I used to think about it every single day from when I was like 14 to now 22. I used to think about it all the time. And I wanted people to know like, you did this, like take accountability. But I'm like, nobody is entitled or obligated to apologize to me. Nobody owes me an an apology. What I take from it and how I grow from it is my apology to myself and whether they're sorry or whether they're not sorry I'm gonna make them sorry (laughs) and I know that that sounds 
that sounds like resentment, but no, because I grew up to be this person that cares about other people. I put other people first and I am able to share my experiences like this with all you beautiful people who, for some strange reason, continue to listen to me week after week and who, I don't know, they, as long as I help one person who needs to hear this, like somebody who's going through it right now, if I can get you to leave that situation and become a better you, then fuck it. I already won. And that's how I see it. What what they needed at that time, like, if I, I hope that I was what they needed at that time. Even if they refused to acknowledge it. Maybe I was the person who helped them see whatever it was that Jesus wanted them to see. And making amends with them and making amends with that whole thing, it just freed me of a lot of shackles that I felt like I had carried with me for years. And that is not an understatement, literally for years. But I don't share this to shame anyone because in reality, this is making me, this is, this whole episode is making me more vulnerable because I'm sure many of you never suspected that this was even happening or that I could even be a person to let this happen to me because I'm so cabrona, you know, (laughs) but it, it happened and I went through it and I couldn't tell anyone because I didn't know how to tell anybody. But I share ooh, <clears throat> sorry. But I share this with you so that you can become aware, so you can recognize the signs and be really aware that they don't have to hit you or choke you for it to be considered domestic violence. There are so many signs. They include, you know, degrading you, humiliating you, blaming you, screaming at you, lying or cheating on you, trying to control you, isolating you, cutting your cutting you from your finances and so much more. So please, 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 I cannot stress that enough. Know the signs, educate yourself as much as possible. And if you or someone you know is experiencing this, then please reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-7233. With all that being said, I hope you guys stay peaceful, stay passionate, protect one another, look out for each other, and keep your loved ones safe. Be a place of peace for them and be somebody that they can come and talk to. Do not push them away. Remember, you can find this podcast and all, on all the things online at Passions or Peace. I love you guys. Please take care of each other. And if you are struggling with domestic violence, know that you are not alone. We love you and we are here to support you. I will see you next. Oh, nope. Just kidding. I'll see you Friday. Love you guys. Bye.